Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. As I was speaking about creation being corrupted, so even our Advent wreath candle won't burn this morning properly. We'll have to work on that. Martin Luther, when asked to state his opinion of his many writings, Martin Luther stated that that only his small catechism and his bondage of the will were worthy of being read. Now you know about his small catechism, his bondage of the will, some of you probably know about, but it's a response to Erasmus, a noted scholar of Luther's day. And Erasmus believed and taught that man had free will In relation to God. In other words, Erasmus taught that man has the capacity to approach God on his own and is able on his own to do the good works needed to earn salvation. Martin Luther said that yes, man does have free will in relation to the things under his dominion or below him, as we might say, such as whether to eat spinach or potatoes for lunch or or whether to go to work today or not. But as to the things above us, as to our relationship with God, Martin Luther held that man is totally helpless and has no free will. He taught that man's will in relationship relationship to God is actually and totally in bondage. Bondage to sin, death, and the devil. Luther believed that man is totally dependent on God to come to him. And free him from the bondage of his will. Luther taught that man being sinful and corrupt cannot on his own approach a holy God. From Luther's writings in the bondage of the will, hear these words. Man's will is like a beast standing between two riders. That's R-I-D-E-R-S. If God rides... The beast wills and goes where God wills. If Satan rides it, the beast will and goes where Satan wills. Nor may it choose to which rider it will run or which it will seek. But the riders themselves fight to decide who shall have and hold it. If man should choose his own rider... His will would indeed be free, and he would be sovereign in his own salvation. But this is just what he cannot do. As a sinner, he is in the devil's kingdom and can do nothing but choose to remain there. It is not in his nature to do anything else. As a creature, he is in the hand of God who leaves him under the power of sin or rescues him from his clutches from its clutches by renewing his nature according to his god's own free and sovereign will as a sinner he cannot merit salvation in fact he can do nothing good as a creature he could not do so in principle for the creature can never make the creator 
his debtor. Man's destiny depends entirely upon the free decision of God. And Luther continues on by saying, What I say on this point is as follows. Man, before he is created to be man, does and endeavors nothing towards his being made a creature. And when he is made and created, he does and endeavors nothing towards his continuance as a creature. Both his creation his creation and his continuance come to pass by the solid will of the omnipotent power and goodness of God who creates and preserves us without ourselves. So too, I say, that man, before he is renewed into the new creation of the Spirit's kingdom, does and endeavors nothing to prepare himself for that new creation and kingdom. And when he is recreated, he does and endeavors nothing towards his perseverance in that kingdom. But the Spirit alone works both blessings in us, regenerating us, and preserving us when regenerate, without ourselves. But he does not work in us without us, for he recreated and preserves us for this very purpose, that he might work in us and we might, after regeneration, cooperate with him. Thus he preaches, shows mercy to the poor, and comforts the afflicted by means of us. But what is hereby attributed to free will? What indeed is left it but nothing? In truth, nothing. To summarize Luther's words, we do not have free will in relation to God. We are upside down in creation and dead in sin, rebellious toward God and can't relate to holy God who created us in his image, an image that was lost when the first man and woman fell into sin. But when Jesus came, recreation, recreation of the world began. As we hear of the healings and works of Jesus, we tend to consider that Jesus' works are miracles. As citizens of this fallen world, the miracles we read about in Holy Scriptures seem unusual, even upside down. But as citizens of the kingdom of God, the miracles of Jesus should be considered as a return to the way God intended for things to be. They preview a return to the way God originally created things. Jesus made the lame to walk, the dumb to talk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, healed lepers, cast demons out of demoniacs, and gave bodily movement to paralytics. He even raised the dead to new life. He restored people to the way God originally intended them to be, alive and well. In our scriptures today, he took a previously unridden coat. We don't know the size of this animal. We don't know whether it was a donkey or a horse. It was a colt. Doesn't matter. It rode in triumph. He rode it in triumph into Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday. Mortal men considered this unridden colt to be of no use. It was tied up there. 
No one used it. It had not been written. But Jesus, the Redeemer God of creation, knew that this cult was dedicated to him. This cult was meant only to be written by the Lord and the Redeemer of all creation. He didn't have to spend hours breaking the cult. He commanded the cult to be brought to him. And creation, all of creation, heard his command. The God-man became the rider on the back of a strongly self-willed beast of burden. But Jesus sat calmly on the back of an unbroken coat, giving a preview of the peaceful, peaceful way things would be when his fallen creation was completely renewed and restored. There would be no more enmity between man and creation. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on an unbroken, unridden coat gives us a picture of the way God rides our wills. Jesus' words of command to his disciples and to all of creation was the performative word. That means God's word does what it says. God's word is performative. It was the performative word that made the cult rideable for him and only for him. Jesus rode in Jerusalem, into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday afternoon at about 3 p.m. to begin the week that would lead to his showdown with sin, death, and the devil. 3 p.m. was the very time on the Sunday before the Passover feast when the Paschal lambs, the sacrificial lambs were selected, the lambs that would be slaughtered and sacrificed on what we now know as Good Friday afternoon at about 3 p.m., the same time that Jesus died on the cross. So it was on the cross. Jesus died not only for the sins of mankind, sin, death, and the devil would be defeated. The the recreation of the world had begun. Jesus died not only for the sins of mankind, but for all of creation. He died for you and me. He died for the unridden colt. He died even for the stones. If the crowd had not cried out that day, then the stones on the hillside would have cried out. The king of creation restored his rule on earth as he was coronated on the cross as king with a crown of broken creation, a crown of thorns. Jesus began to restore creation. God came into the world to ride your will and my will to restore his relationship with us. Where Satan once sat on my back as the one who once rode my will and directed me, now God rides my will. Where Satan once sat on your back and rode your will and directed you, now God rides your will. Oh yes, we still sin. I sin and you sin. We are... At the same time, sinners and saints, simul justia et peccator, the Latin phrase, same time, sinners and saints, we will suffer sin's consequences. The wages of sin is death. But fear not, for even death 
has been defeated. You have been born again. Your spirit has been regenerated. Your recreation has begun. Your physical death will be only a short sleep, like a Sunday afternoon power nap, but much better. When you die, your reawakening will be to eternal refreshment and eternal life. But in the meantime, dear ones, hear God's holy performative word of recreation. God's word from the scriptures, from Jesus, does what it says. God's word is your G and your ha. Some of you know those terms. Words of old that were used by the rider or by the one who bore the plow reins to direct a horse. In the meantime, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are yours by grace through faith in Christ. In the meantime, listen as God gives you the certain promise of eternal life. In the meantime, eat some heavenly food. This bread and wine have been set apart for Christ's purposes, just as that unridden coat was set apart for his purposes. Just as the room on the night of the first celebration of the Lord's Supper was set apart, just as the bread and wine of that first celebration was set apart for the Lord's Supper, these things have been set apart and will be made holy so that Christ can come to you to be with you. For you see, He is the rider of your will. Just as he was the rider of that untamed donkey's will, come to his holy table. He leads you here by his word and spirit. The Lord's Supper, it is a mysterious, miraculous, holy supper. It returns you to the way things should be. He gives you food to forgive your sins, even as he rides your will. He strengthens your faith and trust in Him as your rider. Your rider in and through the storms of life. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.